Okay, good morning. So, um, the theme for our consideration today, amongst the many beautiful, rich themes, is the theme of logos, meaning conceptual framework. And right through from the most complex framework that shapes a worldview, right through to a single concept and our relationship with that. So I invite you to hear this with all of yourself. You can absolutely make notes if you wish, but see if you can hear and sense through your whole body with your imagination, with your heart, with your soul-making intuition, as well as your bright mind. So that this discussion of Logos and concept does not remain abstract for any single one of us. That is my wish, my desire. And just to support that before I begin, um, I read recently, because I think, actually just pause that, pause that sentence, just go back one thought. It's very easy to think of concepts because of their gift and their, their capacity to point to things and the incredible advances that have come from being able to lift up and abstract and look at from a distance. It's easy to think that ideas are inherently some kind of abstract thing that point to the thing and then we'll get to the thing, right? Um, that's an idea about ideas. Let's see. And I'm sure you know more than that yourself. So what I read recently, and I, as I tell this story, please do not reduce it to this single meaning or single causal explanation. But in a, a recent neuroscience uh, book, talking about concepts and the most concrete concepts, which you might expect, like cup or table or those kind of concepts, when they measure the apparatus or the perceptual equipment of the soul, they light up a little bit in the body and brain and nervous system and legs. But certain concepts that appear more abstract, and they gave an example of a number, and the one I can remember, I'll tell you in a moment. Illuminate multiple pathways, sensitivities, resonances, right through the whole viscera. So the concept that I remember of the abstract ones is the concept, and I'd like to say it to you, and just sense your body. Sense your belly, let your imagination come in, your heartfulness, your bright mind, all of you. Your sensitivity to this idea, if you have. You might have other abstract concepts that you're sensitive to. See if your whole viscera can taste and receive the impression of the immediate impression of the idea. And this idea that set off multiple excitements through the system was beauty. 
And as I hear the word, I would like to ask any one of you what you notice in your whole body and soul, in your arms, in your hips, in your back, in the space around you. beauty in your heart, in your imagination. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so Monica is making this gesture and she's saying warmth. She's making this up and down flowing gesture. A smile breaks. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> 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 come, come. No, thank you. Beautiful, really beautiful. Let's pause it. That's that's perfect. <laughs> you need to go. Oh, sweetheart. Yeah. Thank you. So keep sensing your bodies with all of this and Rob leaving and Jill, please don't re reduce Rob's leaving to one single causal explanation. <laughs> and it may not be that one, you know, it could be justice or truth. Let's explore this. So let's first acknowledge the inevitability of concept. Even in the most subtle, subtle, subtlest moment of perception, when we think there's not much uh, language going on in our heart and mind, there is still, if we look deeply, and Rob really does well to illustrate this and point this out, and some of you will know this from the depths of your practice, in the most subtle moment of perception, there is still the barest concept of some sense of moment, of time, of some subtle self-subject sense, some subtle object sense, subtle world sense. We can't move away from this unless in a moment of completely knowing the cessation of fabrication of perception. In the world of perception, as the world and the mind arise, there is logos, there is frame, there is idea, there are ways of seeing. So right from that subtlest moment, right through to the most elaborate conceptual framework you can possibly imagine, and what comes to my mind is sort of medieval Catholicism, for example. It's like super elaborate 
super, super elaborate, absolutely shaping the world view of the souls and the sense of themselves and what the world is and ideas about earth and sin and God and angels and all of that. From the Dharma perspective, it's so beautiful what the precision and the brilliance of the Buddha brings to this. It makes my heart kind of weep in praise, actually. There is not a conceptual framework that we apply and superimpose on a world out there. No. The mind and the world co-arise. really, really know this because this makes all the difference to how important we will see the function of concept and logos as a duty, as a duty, because we will always be making the world through the way of seeing, interacting with the malleable potentials of the world, but it's not a world out there. What are the malleable potentials of the world? They include this equipment that sees the world. The malleable potentials of this body, this heart, this imagination, this uh, brilliance, this instinct, this intuition, this aesthetic appreciation. A way of seeing, including the concept, is not just me looking out there. A way of looking reaches in, reaches right in and shapes the way I sense the way the world comes into being through my senses, through my looking, through my interaction. It informs my perception, my experiences, how I conceive of the world, therefore what I value, therefore how I act. This is powerful. Concepts and conceptual frameworks are powerful. We know that. And I think that's why some of us can be ambivalent about concepts and conceptual frameworks because in history some people get to write what they are and others are at the mercy of those frameworks. So some in this room will be of the, no, I'm not into concepts, I just want to feel my way through things. Good, excellent, please do keep feeling your way through things. And if we want to know what a soul-making dharma can uh, bring, then study, <laughs> study the framework. Because if we wish for soulfulness in this way that is consonant with emptiness and ethics, in this particular way, with this Dhamma root, it's not saying there aren't other ways that are beautiful and rich and meaningful. There are. But if this Dhamma root is our root, then study and know Logos. Be sensitive to the ideas because they are always shaping and framing not only how I come in to see the world, but how the world gets made, the world we leave for our children and their children. I found a quote from, uh, I don't actually know how to say his name, Feuerbant, he's a philosopher of science. And he's talking about these different changes in conceptual frameworks in different cultures and history all the time they change they're, they're malleable it's not like we get the right one finally but there are ones that are intelligent and ones that have their place and time and then they become rigid dogmas 
and then the world shrinks around them. Right? So he says this, he says, a change of universal principles, right? so change in logos, change in ideas about things, about a cha- uh, sorry, a change of universal principles b- brings about a change of the entire world. We no longer assume an objective world that remains unaffected by our epistemic activities. I'll explain that word. We no longer assume an objective world out there that remains unaffected by my way of knowing it. It's not like there's a world and I can know it in this way or that way or it could be soulful or not soulful. We're affecting what comes into being by our way of seeing. We no longer assume an objective world that remains unaffected by our epistemic activities. We concede, he says, that our epistemic activities, so my way of knowing, my ways of knowing, may have a decisive influence even upon the most solid piece of cosmological furniture. They make gods disappear and replace them by heaps of atoms in empty space. So our way of knowing and looking makes gods disappear and replaces them with heaps of atoms in empty space. He's talking about different worldviews that come into being. We're powerful. We're not insignificant. So for a soul-making Dhamma, what concepts and what conceptual framework will allow this epistemic activity, if you know that language, what perception and conceptions and what concepts will allow more soul to be made that has this Dharma root in this, um, if we're called into this Dharma root of soulfulness. If we just look at this sort of cosmological perspective for a moment, one of the, if we don't have a, a, a framework that challenges our status quo, we will lightly see through the default lenses of our inherited conceptual frameworks. And they're good. You know, it's not that there's anything wrong with them. They're brilliant. All the advances of modern science are, are a gift. But reducing that to the only allowable, stealing the market, stealing the market on who can say what is true and not true, that is a, a breaks the heart of the soul. So one of the modern default lenses, and see if you know this, will be that um, the modern self has is the one who has absorbed all meaning and purpose. All the meaning and purpose is my interior function. I grant all meaning to things. That's a very postmodern view. We grant all meaning to things. There's no meaning inherent outside. We just make our own one up kind of thing. 
We've lost dimensions. All dimensions have been brought into my interiority. Lost God, lost the earth, lost community sometimes. All meaning and purpose into our own interior being, emptying the primal cosmos of what once constituted its essential nature. All meaning, all purpose, all intelligence, everything that we attribute to a person. So this is this inquiry into personhood. Everything that we attribute to a person, we have reduced often, not always. And I don't want to say that you always do this in every moment, but this will be our default lens. All what we attribute to a person, sensitivity, intelligence, soul, subjectivity, meaningfulness, has been reduced to the interiority, kind of stripping the primal cosmos of soul. So, logos, we do well to study it if we, if we want more soulfulness. <clears throat> Maybe just a little bit for the anybody, wherever you are in relation to concepts and ideas, and some of you that will be your home in a way, a, a, a lovely, easy base for you that's available and rich and accessible and you've always loved them ideas and um, others of us that will not have been the case and I'm painting them as binary just so we can see where we are at different times on that where concepts have felt like not my game somebody else's game or there's wounds around learning or being educated or not educated in a culture that privileges conceptual knowing actually and the rationality that comes from that. So wherever we are in that at different times, please uh, know where you need to look with this idea of ideas. Maybe it's <coughs> um, risking a bit more trying out ideas as images. There might be a poetic phrase that comes to you or one word and it strikes you. And you go, no, 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 that's not an image. That's not an image. But can a word, can an idea, can a poetic phrase, can one, one of the elements of the, uh, of the um, lattice, is there one, even if it sounds really heady, that actually is like malt whiskey? Would you know if it was like malt whiskey? Would it even get a look in? Or would it be immediately like, ah, silly Greek word, right? Or, you know, that's way too long. Gosh, multiple meaningfulness is not reducible to one meaning or concept. Would it get a look in for your soul to come into an erotic conversation with an idea? doesn't have to but it m but it might want to and if we're someone for whom it's uh, feels like home swimming in our own water 
um, wonderful. Thank you. And check to see that we don't privilege the conceptual knowing as the only and main gateway to soul. Right? Check and see at times if there are other ways of knowing that have gotten left off the table. Your sensuality, your somatic and energetic knowing. The knowing of the body, through the body, with the body, parts of the body as organs of their own kind of knowing. The heart as an organ of perception, not only of emotion, Yes, absolutely, the, the richness that comes from emotion, but also the heart as its own intelligence, its own eye of soul, that can't be reduced to just emotions. Don't do that to your heart. Yes, the emotions are important. Your imagination, your sensitivity to aesthetic, your intuition and instinct, like following a sign with a sharp nose of a dog. So let's practice a little bit together. Um, I'll guide us in with an idea if you want to play with one. So we can have as a loose idea in the background to see if we're ever under-privileging concept and idea. If we have a kind of anti-intellectual, for pro possibly for very good reason, but not reducible to one causal explanation. Or if we over-privilege. conceiving and idea. There will always be some frame that we're seeing through and with and in and making self, other and world with and through and in. And if we're not clear what that is, what frame that is, we will be lightly defaulting to our inherited frames. Even if each one of them has gifts. Let it not become a lens that limits the possibility for soul.
So bring to mind, if you wish, maybe a single idea that has struck you or a poetic phrase or a line from a song or one part of this Logos or Logos itself, this Logos or another Logos. where there's enough crucibilic material, either you love that word, or maybe, you know, you don't have to go here, but you might be really frustrated or by a word or, or but where there's enough heat, pressure, mm, zest, sparkle, And see if one wants to visit. It might come as a sound in your soul, like a phrase that doesn't look like a concept, sounds like somebody's just something in my mind's just saying something, like a thought. Might be an obvious phrase like the one I had yesterday, that stay with me, remain here with me, watch and pray. Eros. <coughs> and see if you can let that idea come and become otherness doesn't have to be visual, it might be our role, you might even see the word. Let your soul's imagination come forth with idea. And grant otherness. How do they want to appear to you today? Maybe if it feels important to say sorry if you've reduced them to one meaning. Or you've overlooked them as some irrelevant boffin thing. and let it strike you. Or show you itself. In your soul's imagination. And don't worry if nothing comes. This may or may not be a way in today. You will have many rich ways in. But if this has some 
something that calls your soulfulness, intuition, antennae, knows. Then stay, remain, watch, pray. Sense the resonance, even if it's very subtle. Don't be looking for it to have to be like whiskey. Let it be its own tincture, its own elixir. and establish the two-ness. Your vertical energy body as a full instrument of soulful perception. And idea as soul with its own autonomy, sensitivity, intelligence, all those things you can, that we apply to personhood. Why do we extract them from the soul of ideas? Breathing and sensing if there is resonance, maybe homeopathic dose or maybe drunk with wine. Allowing the lattice to support this becoming more imaginal, more soulful. When that line of that song came for me, first it struck my heart. And I remembered the Easter story. That's rich. For me, it's meaningful. And then I remembered not reducible to a single meaning or causal explanation of why this is meaningful to me and what it means. Allow yourself to come into the crucible of the lattice. to perhaps hear the echo and resonance of this idea. Perhaps the concertina opens and more images might be waiting in the wings. Implicit, you don't have to see them, but there's multiple.
Bring your body and soul into the crucible of the lattice. And let's practice together this morning, either continuing with this idea if it's rich, if your soul, if there is soulfulness possible or actual, or you sense the possibility for more. Or if this is not your way in this morning. Ask the co-arising of the mind and the world. What is my way in?
So I want to acknowledge with the theme of concept and logos can touch things for us, some of us, that are, are difficult. And if that's the case, um, I, I want to acknowledge that sometimes we can think, oh, I'm not clever enough or I'm not smart enough or sharp enough or bright enough. And I can only say that you are. <laughs> um, that those old ideas of yourself, um, they may come for healing, uh, for care, for also being brought into the crucible. Um, I, <laughs> just as Rob said the other day, he said, uh, when he said, if I'd given the instructions, I'd have said, I really love you guys. I want to say from some kind of, I don't know, some kind of authority, you are bright. Um, if you need convincing of that, let me know. Okay, uh, so thank you to the people, the scribes, the modern scribes who have um, offered the 28 elements of the imaginal lattice on the roots of the Buddha Dharma Sangha trees who are not limited to those names. Um, <laughs> he's just catching up on the story. But <laughs> um, so there re it really touched me. I went outside this morning and uh, saw what what work you have done so or what offering you have made however you like to consider it and um, I encourage anyone to be amongst those elements for the beauty and the particularness and the personalness that's in them as ideas as one thing um, but also I uh, you know if you think of the three trees today any time if you want to go into the center of the three trees and imagine, imagine when we, whichever way is meaningful for you, but I'll offer one way that's meaningful for me. Of all those elements, I can almost sense it now as I um, stand. Actually, I can. So, oops. <laughs> but all those elements, um, the ideas, all of all those elements going through those roots and making and weaving that lattice crucible and standing in the middle of that and bringing anything of yourself, yourself, the more than yourself, that is crucibilic at all, you know, that has that spice or pressure or heat or something where you can sense the eros, even if it's not fully eros yet, is calling you to stand there in that crucible. Um, and offer yourself into that with those reminders in all those roots right through underneath you and in you. Um, so what else? I One thing I wanted to check, uh, I'll offer a group at 11 at 11.30 uh, for people who want to explore something and go further with something. And what I was wondering about at right now is if there's a need um, or a wish on en from any soul here to have a chance to meet uh, formally um, in a small group 
or um, and we might go into threes, into triads and make it quite formal. If it would be helpful for you today to just be able to say where you are and how you're doing and what's going on, if that would be helpful, just for five minutes each. But it will be formal and held and like that. Um, if that would be helpful for you today, let me know and I'll see how many there are, if you can raise your hand. Okay, great. So if we meet in the lounge now, then I'll set up that and we can make that formal and good. Super. Um, there'll be, you know, we'll, we'll try to see everybody between us who, who's put their name on the list. It may or may not be possible. Um, this time, but we'll do our best. Um, anything you want to say? Okay. So even if you didn't put your hand up just now, but think, actually, I do want to just say how I am, you're still welcome. So the, the sound system is cutting out and one of the possibilities that they've mentioned was that if, if anyone has their mobile um, it can somehow interfere with the radio signals from, from uh, the mic device to the receiver. So So, um, I don't know what the blessing is for today. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> In whatever crucibles you're working with. <laughs>